0: Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. This is Radio
1: Influence. The future is now.
2: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Monday, May 2nd edition. Of the Dark to Light podcast with
1: Miguel de los Opelcas. E? Beans. I don't know what's wrong with me today.
2: Beans is Spanish, so I don't have to worry about it.
1: Well, yeah, it is, but with the Z on the end. That's How do you
2: what,
1: s- how'd that happen?
2: Because Oh, it's a great story.
1: This is my instinct coming. Through. This is my journalistic instinct popping up on a Monday.
2: So I'll tell the story of how I became beans in the first place, because nobody really knows. When I was sixteen or fifteen years old in in high school, the phrase "cool beans" made it out to the to the ethers. It's when it kind of like introduced itself into our vocabulary, and okay. I thought it was so stupid. It was dumb. I hated it. St- it. Still is. Yes. So my boyfriend at the time started calling me Beans, Tracy Beans, just to piss me off. (laughs) And a job. (laughs) And it's it really did piss me off. But then everybody started calling me Beans. They didn't even use my first name anymore. They just called me Beans. So when AOL was introduced, I created Tracy Beans as my AOL screen name and, and email address. And I couldn't use the S because it was taken so I used a Z instead.
1: <laughs> wow. So Tracy with a Z, Now Tracy with an S because Tracy with an S goes not Z, like Liza with a Z.
2: Yes. There that's should be a, a song or, about that.
1: There there may be, which I always laugh about, but that's, so that's good. So I, may I share a, a, a similar story with my AOL identity that I've had for over 30 years now?
2: Yes. As soon as I finish this one, which is one more I, sentence. I, I'm sorry. That's okay. Literally, my husband doesn't call me Tracy. If he says my name, it's a problem. He calls me beans. My father-in-law, my mother-in-law, beans, 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 beans. All of my friends, all of my daughter's friends, beans. They don't call me by my name. I don't even remember what my name is sometimes. That's all. Go ahead.
1: Wow. And now I'm going back to my life as a uh, a stripling, a child, and I never understood for a long time, why my mother was called Ducky and not her name, hmm. which was Pauline. And she was named Pauline at birth, but everybody called her Ducky. She had checks that said Ducky. And it, you know, you tell the nuns, well, that's my mother's name. No, it's not. Can't be. Your mother can't have a name, Ducky. <laughs> you know, 60. She can and she does. <laughs> and she can and she does. If you and don't challenge her on this, you'll lose. But my mom was the only girl in a family with a bunch of boys, and my grandfather used to refer to his wife as the queen. And one of my uncles said, "Well, what does that make Pauline? Is she is she the Duchess? Is she the Duchess now? Hello, Ducky!" And oh, they, and it stuck. They walked around the house calling her Ducky. So decades later, she lived her entire life as Ducky Opelka, and. Ah.
2: Everybody's got one, like not everybody, but a lot of people do. So Ducky Opelka translates to you somehow.
1: Well, yeah. Well, no, I was going to say my uh, my original and still AOL handle, which I keep to this day, is Stunt Brain, all one word, S-T-U-N-T-B-R-A-I-N. And it's because Scott Shannon, the radio legend Scott Shannon, was trying to figure out how to justify my salary to the corporate gods at uh, – at Mall Wright Broadcasting back in the late 80s. And he's like, ah, how, do we, how do we tell people what your job is? What do you do? And I said, well, I'm kind of your stunt brain, Scott. And he said, what? what? I'm kind of your stunt brain. I think for you. And I said, you know how movies have a stunt man? You have a stunt brain. Mm. He goes, all right, I'm calling you. I make you officially stunt brain from now on. And it stuck. And yeah. it's still there. And I had a company one time, Stunt Brain. So and it was trademarked, too. I, I didn't think I let it expire, but uh, a lot of people think it's stunted brain. And some of them have written me and told me that that really should be the actual spelling.
2: I'm sorry, Mike.
1: That's all right. I I I'll never meet these people. Why should I care? There you go. There you go. So, so that, there we go. We got
2: nicknames for the win.
1: Beans and Stunt Brain and rest in peace, Ducky. We miss you every day.
2: Ah, yes. I I always like wonder with people like there are some people who I've met that are named Candy and it's not really their name. It's Candace, but they're called Candy. And I'm like, oh, that's really cute. But um, anyway,
1: (laughs) there are some, you know, people of Walmart that uh, website. Yes. uh, There are pictures of uh, people like there's a woman who has the shirt that says, my name is Candy. And then right next to her is the husband with the shirt says something about how much he enjoys candy. Oh, my God. It's all over the place. So I always wonder where, where the nicknames, they they come from so many different places. My eldest brother was named Peachy and his name is Frank. Um, And it's because he had peach fuzz on his head when he was born. And they kept calling him Peachy.
2: Well, so, I used to call my son Little Old Man Wrinkle Face. I'm glad that didn't catch on.
1: That is hilarious. Little Old Man <laughs>
2: Wrinkle Face. <laughs> That's what I called him all the time.
1: That's so fantastic. And now he's in a, an amazing group of young singers, is he not?
2: Yes, he's in Guys with Ties.
1: <laughs> which is so good. That's such an 80s video band.
2: Yeah, yeah, they sang the national anthem at Pelican Stadium yesterday in Myrtle Beach here. It was great. Um, and we had a little bit of a, an off-the-record conversation about that on the uh, Locals version of the podcast, which you can get if you go ahead over and subscribe to the Uncovered to see Locals.
1: Now, was this the first time you've seen him perform the anthem live?
2: Yes, and it was really quite good, Mike. Well, why would it be? The guy's got genes. He's got uh, musical genes my, from the fiends. You never heard my daughter sing, have you?
1: I have not. <sighs> I, I think you guys could be the new uh, the Osmonds. You could have a
2: family show, variety show. My daughter, I'll send you a couple things to listen to offline. You'll You'll be like, what?
1: I am so in awe of people who can sing. Wow. Because I have zero capability of carrying a tune in a wheelbarrow. And it's I, I live in awe of you folks. Oh, well. So I just think that's great. But you should do a family sing-along or something.
2: <laughs> I think when my daughter does her senior uh, chief idol thing that they have here, that I'm going to join her for a duet.
1: You mean... When you go to the junior league mother and daughter brunch,
2: no, just for her final like singing singing competition in the schools. Oh, that's
1: pretty cool. So yeah. they have to do like an American Idol type thing.
2: Yes, and she actually came in second place this year. Um, she beat out all the seniors and everything. She's a she's a she's a uh, sophomore. So
1: that's very cool. That's- we we mock all these um American Idol competitions and and schools that do the same thing. But when I was in high school, we had. An annual talent review that was a competition. I never took part in it because I was just too busy trying to be cool. But I never was. But yeah, a view. So we did it even though we mock the other ones now. So we're hypocrites.
2: Yeah, it just wasn't called that. I I also auditioned for American Idol back in the day. And how'd that go? It went really well. I knew I did good because out of the group that I was in, they chose three of the people that sounded like howling dogs. (laughs)
1: I was going to say, I think I saw howling dogs play in the punk era in yeah. Austin at wow. a at a bar. No, how they really sound like howling dogs.
2: Yeah. I mean, they did it on purpose. This was like a few years in where they were looking for like the, the wangs of the world to oh, give yeah. the show some like oomph.
1: Yeah. So yeah. they
2: they I waited online on the streets of Manhattan for over 24 hours. I slept there on the street waiting to get in. This was right after 9-11. And um was brought in in a group of five. And out of the five, they picked just the people that sucked.
1: Just the terrible and I have to correct you. It was William Hung. Oh, that's right.
2: Wang I, Hung, same difference.
1: Somebody might have been looking for the Wangs. I don't know. <laughs> that, that can always happen down in Chinatown. But uh yeah, it was William Hung who was so terrible. It turned uh and and Sunjaya, remember that? Oh yes. And people love to vote for, to screw with the show, to vote for untalented folks. And we used to, I fully admit, my wife and I would watch the early American Idol seasons just to see the people who were bad. Well, and and then we would not watch until the very end.
2: Well, they took my opportunity away, so congratulations. Anyway, moving along to things that people actually give a crap about.
1: Well, today is the uh, third anniversary of something that's kind of important.
2: What?
0: um this i don't know if you remember look at who we are i've known i've met virtually every major world leader in my role as vice president and as foreign relations chairman yeah. over the last 30 years mm-hmm. and that's not hyperbole no. virtually everyone i don't know a single solitary one who would not change places with the problems the president of the united states has versus the problems they have yeah. yeah china is going to eat our lunch come on man they can't even figure out how to deal with the the, the, the the fact that they have this great division between the China Sea and the mountains in the east. I mean, what?
1: so China is going to eat our lunch. Come on, man. Happened three years ago today.
2: Well, they're eating it and they're enjoying every last bite. I'll tell you that right now.
1: And we are delivering it via Uber Eats right to that. <laughs> That's exactly what's going on. It's in- insane. Indeed.
2: Indeed. Um- You know, we have some Sussman stuff to talk about, including a development from early this morning.
1: See, I didn't hear about this. I was busy going through and trying to find some relevant salient points from the uh, the nerd prom over the weekend.
2: Oh, yeah. We've got a couple of Trevor Noah bombshells, I'm sure, that we've all been talking about. We'll save them for like quite at the end. For the wrap up. Yeah. Um, So in Sussman news. Technofog. So we talked about how to get the transcripts of like the hearings and stuff. Somebody wrote in over the weekend, Mike, asking, is there a way that Uncover DC can kind of like culminate all this material in one place so that people can actually go there and view it? And I said, there is. There is a way. It's already in existence without any outside help. Go to courtlistener.com and click on recap archive.
1: Court dot com. Click on the recap archive.
2: Yes, you all can right. search for any case that's on the PACER docket, which is where all of the government cases, all, all of the lawsuits federally filed are, are, are kept on the PACER system for the U.S. government. Um, and you can log in. You can create a PACER username and you can b- browse any case in the entire country that's filed there. But. You have to pay 10 cents a page which, mm. and 10 cents per search, which makes it really costly. So like I have a Pacer account and my bill quarterly is, is usually between five hundred and a thousand dollars. Wow. Quarterly. But what recap has done and court listener has done is created They're a not for profit where there's a plugin, So people like me who go to view cases on Pacer can the plugin takes the documents and automatically populates them over to the court listener site for free.
1: So this is a huge savings
2: for people. Yes. So it takes one initial person to be browsing the docket and then everybody gets the access to the docket for free. So if you go to court listener and you create you search for Sussman, you United States v. Sussman, you can view the entire court docket there. Anything that has been looked at on Pacer moves over the docket gets updated automatically. And if something's not there, it'll be there shortly because people are all over this case. You could what? do that for any case, even the J6 defendants, if you wanted to look at their stuff.
1: That's a very helpful tip, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people appreciate it. But you were saying there's something big that happened today.
2: <laughs> yes. So the transcripts usually are they take 90 days to be released to the public um, unless you purchase the transcript. And you can't fill out the purchase form unless you're an attorney, which Technofog happens to be. So Technofog got the transcript from the Sussman hearing the other day where he was hearing on various motions in, um Lamini and, and some other things and released the transcript for everybody to read. And I was reading it and I found something that most people didn't find, Mike.
1: All right.
2: There's a portion where Sussman's attorneys are saying they, they they're talking and they say they want to make the argument talking about the government that it was provided as a part of a larger conspiracy when in fact, Mr. Steele was acting was known to be at least to people, including Mr. Baker. That's that's Jim Baker, um, James Baker. I'm sorry. A source called crown to the FBI. So Steele's code name was crown.
1: Because he was a Brit and he, he could be tied to the, the, the monarchy
2: and acting as a source with that information being provided. I think To a Rome-based agent. Rome-based. So an FBI agent based in Rome was handling Christopher Steele. Why is that important? Why? Why does it matter, Mike? Why?
1: Well, I do think I recall a connection, a Roman connection. There's a big one. Yeah, that we have to... As a matter of fact, I'm I'm looking over my chart. I started making my own chart, like, you know, those... uh, those detectives make when they're doing a case and they put the pictures up and draw the lines on the wall and they have a big wall and they have the Clinton campaign tied down to uh, Perkins Coie and then the lawyers, uh, Elias and Sussman and then they hired Fusion GPS and then that goes over to Orbis Investigations, which is UK based. And then they hire Christopher Steele and who hires Igor Danchenko and some others who are tied to Brookings. And I thought I thought I had Italy in here somewhere. Well, golly, Bob, howdy. I don't see it. So I don't want to delay you. So excuse me. But I thought I had that in my timeline. That's okay;
2: We can add it right now. Okay, good. This morning, I posted another post after kind of thinking about how to phrase it a little bit. And it says this. So what they're telling us is that steel was being handled in Rome, which also happens to be where Joseph Mifsud met Papadopoulos to tell him that it was Russia who had dirt in the form of thousands of emails on Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. I'm sure all of this is just a strange coincidence. We've said from the beginning, and now in all caps, I say, figure out the DNC leak and cover up and the rest will follow. And
1: it, it looks like it's starting to unwind that way. Is it not?
2: It, it is. And the most telling thing about it for me and, and you know, I got to re truth From Devin Nunes. Wow. Now, that's not an outside. Like, he does that. But just for this particular truth that I posted, it means something to me because there's no way he missed the capital letters about the DNC leak. Mm -hmm. So here's the deal. For years, we have been saying and Assange has been saying and everyone's been saying That the emails didn't come from Russia, knowing what we know now about how engineered this was and even what we knew back then, because this is no surprise to any of us. Okay,
1: not shocking at all. We're just saying where where the rest of you been?
2: (laughs) Pretty much. But knowing all of that now and knowing what they did, is it that absurd to think that even Which we we said, like I've said, it's going to sound crazy to the audience that has been on this story for so long, because we were talking about how Mifsud was covering for um, for the DNC and for Hillary and whatever, trying to implant people inside of the Trump campaign so that they could engineer this big, wide scandal that had to do with Russia. And it was not only because they didn't want Trump to be president because he was an outsider. Yeah. The DNC emails and the Podesta emails, that was known way before they were released. So inside, inside, there was mumblings that this stuff had been taken and they knew it was coming. So in order to get out in front of it, they needed to do something.
1: So this entire creation, this fiction of the Russia collusion and the Alpha Bank connection was all created to deflect from Hillary and uh, to distract attention from her and to put it on Trump.
2: Well, because this these leaks and all of this also fed back into her email server. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. So remember, that was also being investigated while she was running and she wanted to deflect attention from that because she was criminally culpable. If you remember a couple of days before the um, election, Comey came out and said, listen, no, we can't she's guilty, but we can't charge her with anything for yeah, lack of
1: came out the letter that, that everybody freaked out.
2: And he did a press conference too, didn't he?
1: I believe he did. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So it was all a Hillary cover-up, and not just a Hillary cover-up. Because there was so if I wish so badly that I had the audience that we have now, back when I was covering all of the WikiLeaks emails and what was in them, because it was so far beyond just, you know, oh, the DNC cheated to make sure Bernie couldn't win the primary. It, it was so far and above that. It was so much corruption. For example, they already had um, Obama's cabinet picked out way before he won the election.
1: They Which- were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they did. And um, th- this ties me. Remind me later about Obama and the photo of everybody when the Trumps were arriving at the White House. OK. On Inauguration Day. You know that frowny face photo? Yep. OK. Remind me of that later. But yes, yeah, so th- this was all. Po- well, they always say they war game what the cabinets will be. That doesn't always bother me as much as how deep this This collusion net, this web was how far back it goes and how deep it goes and how across so many platforms it goes. Remember,
2: though, yes, they always war game who the cabinet will be. I understand. Sure. But this was Podesta who was organizing all of this. And they had Citigroup choosing the people who would be on the cabinet.
1: Well, Citigroup has to because, you know, they put up so much money.
2: Also, Mike, inside of these emails were a couple of really, really screwed up emails about um, Scalia. Oh, really? Yes, and 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 George Soros's foundation and Soros himself was involved in this. Were picking the replacement for him. Mm. There was a lot in there. There was a lot more than just. Oh, Bernie Sanders, what they engineered it around him. So now I was glad that that came out because all the progressives opened their eyes and said, holy crap, and started moving over and then were educated. And a lot of them are now the hardcore, what you would call, I guess, Trump supporters that they today. It was the beginning, like most of my audience at that time were left leaning.
1: Well, and so these folks realized that this Bernie got totally screwed, which he did. Yep. And uh, not once, but twice, basically, you know, he's been he's been cut out a couple of times in situations here. So that that's very interesting to me that they would migrate over from that far, far progressive socialist side.
2: They did. And it was a really good opportunity to educate because the stuff that I was covering wasn't right wing talking points. It was they were explaining this stuff. And I was just showing open source research that demonstrated it. And it was a very big for a lack of like, I don't have anything but this cliche red pill for people because Mm -hmm. they were able to learn about these institutions. No, they didn't care about the environment. No, they didn't care about corporate fascism. The the opposite, you know, instead. So people are getting walloped with this in the midst of a presidential campaign where the guy that they thought was their Ron Paul was going to be the nominee. It was something else to behold. But it was all because of the DNC leak. And then, you know, you could bring in the Guccifer two or Guccifer, however you want to say it. I don't know. But the, the whole thing was engineered and, and they created, in my opinion, this fictional character, Guccifer 2, who was supposed to be a copy of Guccifer 1. Guccifer 1 was the whole reason that the, the Hillary Clinton email server was found out at all. And then and then Judicial Watch hopped on board to get the FOIA. So the guy who is Guccifer 1, I, I don't know if you know this, I was don't. he was in jail in Romania during the, the 2016 campaign. Hmm. One agent uh, or or official, I will call him Dana Bonte. Do you remember that name?
1: Hmm. No, I, no. You caught me taking a sip of tea, but that, I do not.
2: That's OK. Well, he was in the Trump administration as well. It, it, it's a little bit of a longer story, but he went over to Romania, extradited for one in the middle of the in, in the middle it, towards the end of the campaign, brought him over to the United States, had him plead guilty to a bunch of stuff sat him down for questioning, got a ton of information out of him, and then sent him back to Romania. Absolutely unheard of.
1: Yeah, that is nowhere. That story is absolutely zero coverage. And why not? Except some of us. Well, I'm (laughs) saying I'm talking mainstream media. Yeah,
2: yeah, of course not. They extradited Guzafar to the United States and then sent him back to Romania.
1: Within... Bled him dry and then shipped him back home.
2: They sent him back. But the crimes against the United States, he committed in quotes. It, it, I don't. I got it all. I got it all. OK. Anyway. um. So quick question about James
1: Baker. Yep. Formerly of the FBI.
2: Now Twitter's attorney. Yes.
1: Now Twitter's attorney. I just want to let that sink in. The guy who is involved in all of this is now the the head legal guy at Twitter. And how how long is he going to last there? I don't know. And why isn't he out already? That's <laughs> what I would like to know. Mm hmm. So just saying, Elon, if you're paying attention, I know he's paying attention to a lot of stuff going on there, because when William Shatner said he wanted to be the new face of Twitter, Elon you will always be my captain will always be. my. I love that. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to take you off track. That's there. okay. A little ADD Monday, you know, and Shatner, do you know Shatner was going to get into um, uh, women's uh, clothing slacks for women?
2: No, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, but they decided that nobody wanted to order Shatner pants. <laughs> Just leaving that out there.
2: Okay. <laughs> so anyway, Devin Nunes retweeted my tweet, my truth, retweeted Yay. my truth about This. And I want to say there are people out there right now, Mike, on, quote, our side who are attempting to discredit the Mueller targets, i.e. General Flynn, George Papadopoulos, Paul Manafort, Roger Stone. They're attempting because this is all percolating to the surface. They're attempting to sow questions surrounding whether or not these people were working for Mueller or their white hats, black hats, blah, 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 trying to make all these people who were absolutely assaulted by the Mueller special counsel look like they had some part in it. And I can tell you with with certainty that I'm I'm 90. I don't think that that these people were like I had a major questions about George Papadopoulos for a very long time. Mm hmm. I'm not 100 percent settled that he didn't have anything to do with it, but I'm 98 percent settled that he didn't have anything to do with it. And he was just a very useful tool in the whole operation. Um, Carter Page, for example, just watch out for that to start happening, because what they're trying to do is is make it seem as though all of these people were also involved in trying to take down President Trump. When it's it's a it's a method to try and get discord going amongst those of us who have been following this for years and want some accountability because people have very short memories and don't remember the intricacies of this story like they did when they were following it before we had all of our rights and liberties being stripped from underneath us.
1: And speaking of which all of our rights and liberties stripped away from us. Uh, that kind of ties in with the report about the warrantless searches in the last year.
2: Yes, because that ties into Spygate also, the 702 database being abused. Yes.
1: Yeah. FBI warrantless searches on Americans' data, not, not other people's, more than doubled in one year from the ODNI report, which uh, Solomon's got that. But nearly 3.4 million of us had uh, had our backgrounds surveilled. That uh, that compares to 1.3 million, which is already outrageous in the year before.
2: So contractors for the government and government employees can go in and do queries on this NSA database that collects information on every single person in this country. As a matter of fact, this ties back into a story about Dennis Montgomery. I don't know if you've ever heard that name. I have not. OK, Dennis Montgomery was a whistleblower who – helped to basically engineer the tech in, in some way. And, and it even ties back into Joe or, Pi- or Pio who received this information. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm going to do to save us the trouble today? Because it's a very long, complicated story. I will put the video series I did breaking this down in the show notes. And you guys can watch it to get yourself familiarized with the story. But basically, these contractors go in, they do a keyword search. And it's supposed to it returns anything that is swept up in these incidental communications of everybody in the entire country bank records, phone records, text messages, everything. The NSA has it all. Thank you, nine eleven commission, and nine eleven and Homeland Security and all that crap that I was fighting against twenty years ago. And they're supposed to mask the identities of the American citizens swept up in those communications.
1: Which well, was- and, and I'm shocked to find they
0: haven't.
2: No, they don't. And that's why General Flynn was unmasked when they picked up all that. It, it's just it's it's a, it's a it's that's how the whole Michael Cohen thing happened with Prague.
1: Oh, with the wrong uh, the wrong um, passport that popped up as well.
2: Because they did a search for Michael oh, Cohen.
1: That's such an unusual name.
2: Right. The same thing we talked about with the Steve Bannon story. Which they. D- they did a search for Steve Bannon's attorney.
1: Oh, yes, yes. It's, and he got caught up in that web. This is this is why all of this is wrong, people. But most of you listening already know that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, and and they every year they approve it again. Doesn't matter who's in power, if it's a Republican or a Democrat. Finally, the last time it was up and we had the House and the Senate um Nunez was saying we need to get rid of this altogether. Like we can't keep doing this. It's it's an like our rights are violated every single day with this crap. And if you think for a second that Biden's administration isn't using this to target, you know, American school parents who are talking to their friends about the school board next door, you have another thing coming.
1: Well, they already um openly admitted that they were doing that. So the, the DOJ told us they were doing that. But um uh, I I have to um, throw a penalty flag. Oh, okay. Because you said, if you don't think that's happening, you have another thing coming.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's this is one of my bugaboos. Oh
2: boy, you're really gonna take it. Go ahead.
1: I am. I am. People, fire at me. Don't fire Tracy. Oh no, they will. <laughs> it's God. not another thing coming. It's another think, and it makes sense if you listen to the sentence. Oh, shut up! If you think. That I'm going to stop correcting you while you have another think coming.
2: I think that's stupid.
1: Well, it's but it's right, and you're the you're the person who seeks right all the time, right information.
2: Let's see here.
1: People have abused it. You know, it's like people have have now accepted bad grammar. People say "acts" all the time when they mean "ask," and we're allowed it to happen.
2: Mm. Another thing coming, historically speaking.
1: Because the minute you say, if you think and you're thinking about something. No,
2: see, you're wrong. And listen to why. Why? Contrary to popular belief, having another thing coming as opposed to another think coming doesn't mean the same thing. And this is exactly why I said thing. If you've got another thing coming, this means the outcome of a situation is expected to take a turn other than anticipated. And usually that turn is for the worse.
1: Uh, where's this from? Where's this, this lie from?
2: This is, is it has all the history and everything. I'll send it to you right now.
1: Where's it from
2: site site, the site, um, idiomation.wordpress.com.
1: Yeah. Somebody made this up. It's a WordPress site. Oh, shush.
2: Do you know how much good work is done on random WordPress sites? Yeah. Mr. Mainstream media. Hm?
1: I do. I do. But th- this is a case of you found some to justify an aberration. I and, just did a
2: Google search, another think coming, and it came up. I well, wasn't searching. I was looking to see if you were right or wrong. And if you were right, I was going to concede. I will not concede until further evaluation is. is,
1: is I'm going to bring a grammarian in here. And we're going
2: to have this. Your grammarian is biased.
1: No, no. I will find a random. I'm going to go to Angie's list and tell him I need a grammarian and get a, ra- a random grammarian in here. Hmm. Huh. These are these are the things that drive me nuts. You know, Clearly. It's a short walk. I know it's not really a drive.
2: I think one time you corrected me the amount of hate mail I got about how you corrected me. You have.
1: <laughs> you mean about me? Yes. Oh, that's great. I love that. Bring it on, people. Listen, I love Tracy Beads. <laughs> I will fight for Tracy Beans every single day. But I also I also have standards. The language has to be upheld. We can't let it fall apart, and I think it's falling apart.
2: I know, I know. My, my little um, supposed transgression would really be the nail in the coffin. It's just-
1: <laughs> yes, it would. Thank you for <laughs> saying supposed. Because when people say supposedly, I go <laughs> apoplectic. I start, I start twitching on the ground.
2: <laughs> I am pretty good with my command of the English language, I've got to tell you.
1: You're excellent. That's why I, I shuddered then, and I, I raised my hand. Well, you might have to reconsider. If I'm wrong, I will send flowers. Or I, damn flowers right, you will. Or, <laughs> or something. Whatever the Mother's Day online special is.
2: It's perfect timing. You're going to pay a premium for roses. I'd like three dozen, please. Thank you.
1: I ain't sending roses. I I can grow roses cheaper than I can buy them, and so I will always grow them. Huh. But I can I can send delicious
2: chocolates. No. <laughs> Why? Because I'm trying to lose weight. Do you know what happens to me when I eat chocolate? I blow up, like, what's her name in Willy Wonka?
1: Yeah, what's her name? The girl that ate the, they turned purple and all. Yeah,
2: that. Violet.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I, then I won't do that. And I can't sell it, send you tequila either or wine because you don't do that either. No,
2: you're going to have to find something else and do it quickly. Anyway,
1: won't be roses. But until we get the grammarian to to rule on this.
2: So there was that truth, um, truth social happening this morning. And again, that that moves into the, the abuse of the 702 database and everything else. And, and you know, I'm surprised that they even released that report, Mike, because it's like there's no there's no oversight. Things just happen and nobody does anything about them.
1: Well, I, I think maybe they released their report to take heed off of the disinformation oh. office. You know, the the uh, my my buddy Rich calls it the the department of truthiness
2: listen that whole thing is starting to become a big problem too because that woman has ties directly to ukraine so oh yeah yeah so she she is now this woman who has been wrong about literally everything for years is now going to be deciding what is misinformation and what can be shared by the american people like you this oh well
1: in, uh, dana bash tried to get uh, confirmation or denial on that this weekend, which I thought was kind of interesting. And uh, the uh, the uh, DHS chief seems to think, oh, no, none of this is anything to worry about. Nothing to see here. The minute the government says nothing to see here is when I get worried. I think there's immediately something to see here.
2: Can they even con- do this constitution? Like, they, they're just creating things.
1: They can. They have the ability to create a board Within the DHS that has um, what they call governance capabilities, but it has to be funded. There has to be some kind of congressional oversight to it. Uh, I'm more concerned about the the way this was foisted upon us
2: like and, without any discussion just well, created after a month.
1: Yeah. Well, she says she's been working on it for a couple of months now. They've been working on it for a couple of months.
2: That's when the Miss Diss and Malinformation Bulletin came out a couple months ago.
1: Exactly. And somebody said, hey, you know, we're good. And we get this lady from uh, the uh, Woodrow Wilson uh, School out there. And uh, we put her in charge of this. And nobody will question her because she's pregnant. I mean, she's a birthing person. (laughs) I was just Uh, going to say. Uh, But uh, did we play on Friday her song, um, not the Mary Poppins one, the other one? No, I don't believe we did. Because not only is she horrible with the Mary Poppins song, but she she is the the worst example for young women. And they're always talking about elevating the people out there, elevating the examples in the government and the disinformation czar from the Ministry of Truthiness. Uh, sang a song in a cabaret during a Christmas time performance. Uh, I don't know the exact year of this, but the title of the song is "Rich, Famous, and Powerful," and she's lamenting the fact that she's none of that. And she, well, here you can hear it yourself. Famous
3: or powerful, Barbara Streisand has it all, that I
2: can do what she can do. So why is she rich? and powerful I can't. while I'm still stuck here singing Christmas songs for all of you. Wait. What does it take to be famous and powerful? Santa,
1: if you're listening, please tell me what to do. What do I f- to be famous and yeah! powerful? I've done everything I can and now the rest is up to you. So she sang, who do I, to Santa, who do I, hmm, <sighs> to be rich, famous, and powerful? Well. This is the example. It's a, well, I guess she should have been asking
2: Kamala. No, I think it's just Obama. Although did you ever hear the story of Larry Sinclair? I have not. Wow. But
1: I'm interested in hearing the Larry Sinclair story.
2: Larry Sinclair actually became a friend of mine and no, he's not dead. Contrary to the internet rumors that have been out there about his untimely demise. He is alive and well. Okay. He was in a Dinesh D'Souza movie, uh, two years ago. Um, He says and and offers a a fair amount of of evidence to prove that he had relations with Obama while he was a senator.
1: Oh, that Larry Sinclair. Yes. You know, it's not if we put this in the uh, FBI search space, there'd be a whole bunch of people pop. It's not an unusual name, but now I know who you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So that's the original reason why I jumped to Obama, because he does like to, um, you know, get around.
1: Really? Barack Obama?
2: Uh, yeah, drug-fueled sex parties seem to be a thing, as I, per Larry Sinclair.
1: <laughs> well, according to the allegations of one Larry Sinclair. And
2: Biden went after him.
1: Well, when when did Biden go after Larry Sinclair?
2: Right in the middle of the uh, election, Biden, the re-election. Biden went after Larry Sinclair. As a matter of fact, he has documented in his book how the Biden family attacked him.
1: Well, I wouldn't doubt the Biden family, because if you if you are told... That you are an enemy of uh, the administration. You should expect it to the attacks to come from every angle.
2: Yeah, it's it's some interesting stuff. I should pull that book. Oh, I don't have it anymore. It burned.
1: It burned. Yeah. Or a book burning. Per- oh, no, it's from the house. I yeah. Yeah, I remember this uh, now. And uh, uh, the- I thought it
2: was unbelievable until I read the book in its entirety, along with all of the evidence included in the book. And then I happened to get to know Larry, as a matter of fact, crazy enough. And I just realized this. The 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 thing I sent you this morning is on his YouTube channel. Really? Yes. Well, this is so weird.
1: <laughs> it's all that it all ties together. It's all connected.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's so funny. Anyway. I, I'm not, not laughing at it. I'm laughing with it. Yes.
2: Yes. Very weird serendipities today.
1: Uh, uh, and I said that
2: wrong on purpose, by the way. So don't correct.
1: Me. I, I don't. I think you just created a word.
2: Well, you do it all the time, and nobody bothers you about it. So why not?
1: Wow, I think I hit a nerve. I'm sorry. I better apologize now because I apparently...
2: Oh no, 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 no! You didn't hit a nerve. You just opened up the floodgates. Oh, bring it on! So if you're going to keep dishing <laughs> it out, you're going to get ready to take it now, Mister. Bring it. Uh, the gloves are off.
1: I'm <laughs> making a hockey reference. I love. <laughs> so um, there are a couple of like weird stories out there.
2: Okay.
1: You know, and um, all all weekend long, I kept hearing this quote in my head. Mr.
0: Gorbachev, teared down this wall. All right.
1: That was June of 1987 when you were like a stripling. You were just a, a little seedling somewhere. Ronald Wilson Reagan. Pew pew. <laughs> Telling
2: <laughs> Jesus. See, look what happens to you now. You can't even handle yourself anymore. I can't. I'm I'm beyond saving.
1: <laughs> but uh, Joe Biden, you know, this weekend tried tried to quote that, and he was he was unsuccessful. He said, "Tear this wall down, not tear down this wall." And I'm thinking, the the clip you can't misquote Reagan, but he did. He did. He he said, "Here's the proof." Ronald Reagan said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear this wall down. No, he didn't. It's not what he said, Joey. Get the man. He was the president. Respect him.
0: (laughs) Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall.
1: And Reagan gets a resounding applause for that. And then Joe Biden goes on to tell a joke at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. And uh, after he misquotes Reagan, he tells the joke that, Fell really flat. If you listen to the audience response,
0: Ronald Reagan said, "Mr. Gorbachev, tear this wall down." Today's Republicans say, "Tear down Mickey Mouse's house," and pretty um. soon they'll be storming Cinderella's castle. You can be sure of it. So, um, talk about a, a a turd in the punch bowl.
2: The only good joke he had. Do you have it? Which one? The one where he makes fun of himself. Oh, about Brandon. Yeah.
1: Uh, let me see. I might have it here. I got so I have so many lined up here. Uh, I I don't think I have that. Really? One. Yeah, because I was like, okay, you know, big deal. Because he was he was kind of bragging. Uh, I have uh, I have some Trevor Noah stuff.
2: Hold on, I'm gonna find it because that one I thought landed really well and I thought it was funny. It's
0: not your father's Republican
2: Party. Ronald
0: Reagan said, "Mr. Gorbachev, tear right this. this wall down." Today's Republicans say. Tear down Mickey Mouse's house. and pretty soon they'll be storming Cinderella's castle, you can be sure of it. A well, Republicans <laughs> seem to support one fellow, some guy named Brandon. He's having a really good year. And I'm kind of happy for him.
2: That was great because he even realizes how screwed he is and does a little chuckle.
1: <laughs> well, they're kind of laughing at him.
2: Yes, and he knows it.
1: There's that pause and then they're all kind of laughing directly at him, which was really, it was shameful. Uh, I wish we could just put America out of its misery and not have this thing every year. It's got to be, what did my friend Chris called it a three-day party because you have to go to the Friday parties and then you have to go to the Saturday event and you have to go to the Saturday night after parties.
2: Unless you're in Ukraine like Nancy Pelosi was. Well,
1: that was interesting mm. that Nancy skipped the nerd prom to go get a participation medal from the Ukrainian president. And, and that medal cost billions of dollars. <laughs> now, think about how much did we pay for Nancy Pelosi, not only to go there, but to get a medal and to make a promise of how much more we're going to do. Uh, it's just this really infuriates me.
2: Can and, you... uh Can you play the Trevor Noah about Jeffrey Epstein?
1: What do I have to hold on? I've got a couple of Trevor Noahs here. I don't I don't have the apps. Oh, I have two Trevor Noah clips, one which Biden laughed at and he's getting some heat for it. And he clapped. And then I have the last thing he said, which I think is really telling because no one's talking about that too much. Sure. Let's. So here's here's um, the one the one clip that Biden laughed and clapped for. You know, I think ever since you've come into office, things
3: are really looking up. You know, gas is up, rent is up, food is up, everything. No, it really has been a tough first year for you, Mr. President.
1: I, I thought that was amazing. To have the stones to say that is pretty amazing. I'm not a Trevor Noah fan. Neither am I. But I thought that was pretty pretty damn slick. And Biden was laughing and clapping about it. I'm thinking... So people who can't afford for the gas or their groceries, and you're laughing about it. you think that's just hilarious. But at the very end of Trevor Noah's presentation, he I think he threw in a haymaker that he probably was debating whether or not he was gonna say it. Thank you so much for having me. I
3: appreciate you. Please be careful leaving tonight. We all know this administration doesn't handle evacuations
1: well. Good night, everybody. Thank you so much. No. <laughs> you gotta admit. Oh man, a <laughs> burn. That, that is one of the best burns ever. Wow. <laughs> <That's, Hold. laughs>
2: he waited till the very end to punch that one. Listen to this one here.
3: Very classy, very classy. Oh man, what a room this is, huh? Look at this room. Everyone is here tonight. We've got politicians, politicians huh? we've got the media, we've got celebrities. Basically, anyone who's been to Jeffrey Epstein's island. This is an exclusive
2: event. In fact, nobody like that.
1: That was good. That was everybody who's been to Jeffrey Epstein's island. See, mm-hmm. Ricky Gervais would have named names. Yeah, he, he would have said that line and named names. But Trevor, no, I have to give him credit. I think this is probably the biggest audience in terms of power that he's ever had to deal with
2: yeah and i will just tell you that um you know he's obviously he's been he's been a little different lately i don't know like a couple months ago or i saw a clip of his show where he basically starts saying you know something just doesn't make sense here and starts like naming some things that the biden administration's doing that they would have also like Completely destroyed the Trump administration over, but aren't? I don't remember, and it had to do also with COVID and vaccines. It was pretty interesting.
1: I I, I wonder. There was one more thing he said. That I'm trying to see if I have it. Uh, pretty quickly here, he said uh, the the uh, Jen snarky insult. I don't remember that one. Uh, he was he was talking about uh, Jen Psaki and the press secretary and uh, her next move. Mm. Um, let me see if I have it, because it was really good. Yeah, yeah. check this one out.
3: The word on the streets is actually that um, Jen Psaki is uh, going to MSNBC next month, yeah? yeah? Yeah, apparently just being on C-SPAN, the ratings were too high, and she wanted more of a challenge, you know? <laughs> wanted to switch things up. She can't laugh at that, don't put the camera on her. <laughs> If it's true, congratulations to Jen on your big career chains. But, you know, moving to MSNBC is going to be a big switch up for you because right now your current job is to make the Biden administration look as good as as possible, you know, at all costs. Now you're going to be at MSNBC and you're going to have to um, you'll be fine, actually. No, sorry.
1: I don't even know why. That was a brilliant, brilliant side side swipe right there.
2: Yeah, but it's it's like they're publicly mocking us at the same time like they know like they're just admitting everything that we already know and like nothing ever changes about it they all just like pat ourselves on themselves on the back it kind of reminds me of this hold on i'm 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 going to hit the the hold on it reminds it reminds me of this uh mike it reminds me of when general flyn uh was questioned by agents in the white house and jim comey later on was in in front of a an audience of people and and did this that you look at this White House now, and it's hard to imagine two FBI agents ending up in the sit room. How did that happen?
0: I sent them something we, I probably wouldn't have done or maybe gotten away with in a more organized investigation, a more organized administration. The FBI wanted to send agents into the White House itself to interview a senior official. You would work through the White House counsel, and there'd be discussions and approvals, and who would be there. And I thought it's early enough... Let's just send a couple guys over.
2: And everybody claps and laughs and applauds. Yeah. at yeah. his obvious
1: disrespect of the office of the presidency and then an absolute abuse of his
2: power. Yep. I sent them usually has a pause after it mm-hmm. and then a bunch of people clapping. But because this was a Fox News interview, they um, they cut it. I I can't find the original clip, of course, because they've they've taken basically everything and anything that you need off of major (laughs) search engines. So,
1: yeah. Well, I I have one more from uh, the White House Correspondents Dinner, uh, one more Trevor Noah moment that I think was appropriate in the uh, in the wake of CNN's uh, messing up with CNN plus going away. But also just the general tone of the evening. You know, get comfortable.
3: Not too comfortable, Jeffrey Tubin. Not too comfortable. <gasps> no, you know what? No, don't don't ooh him, bunch of haters. You know what? So what, Jeffrey? You made a mistake. You whipped it out in front of your coworkers. That's the first step to winning a Grammy for comedy album of the year. You're halfway there, my friend. You don't let the haters stop you. We all come back from mistakes.
1: Wow, they were so uncomfortable.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, and, and you, that leads me to one last thing. That, that's a good segue. I didn't even realize I was going to talk about today. The employees of Apple, Mike, what COVID has done to these people and to the, the general culture in the United States as as a whole. The reason why Tubin was there, this was right before the election. As a matter of fact, they were scheming on how they were going to steal the election during one of these meetings. You know that, right? Uh, I don't
1: know about the scheming. I, I thought you were talking about the returning to work thing. But- w- I
2: will in a second. But the okay. tubing thing happened because they were on a conference call where they were scheming the media end of how to cover. It was in the Times story that came out. The Times story, the the, the Times story where they basically declared that they had stolen the election using oh, yeah,
1: yeah. The, the the Time magazine, not yeah. the Times. I thought you said New York Times. I'm going, OK, which so no, Time magazine.
2: Peace. Yeah. So one of those meetings was when Tubin was very heavily involved in that, and one of the meetings it is it is now believed where this happened was was when he was caught yanking it because he was working from home because of COVID, right? And and the Apple employees, uh, do you have this?
1: I don't have it handy, oh, but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: The Apple employee sent a, an, a, a letter to Tim Cook because he's demanding a hybrid return to work model where people have to go back into the office. And so they wrote this very long letter to him about how horrible of an idea that is and how they don't want to do it and, and interspersed amongst some reasons that I think are very plausible, to be honest are also reasons about underprivileged people who are not privileged enough to live in an area close enough to the office that they can get there in a reasonable amount of time. And race, of course.
1: So this is racist, misogynist, uh, white privilege to expect employees to come to work.
2: Yes, and it is going to create at Apple a white male superseding Wow. So all of the white males will then supersede the others in the office because those are the ones who can get there. Like they they do argue some good points about collaboration and how like it doesn't have to be like I just I just don't I don't know how they wheel back in these entitled teenagers.
1: Well, I hope they don't. You know.
2: Me me too. I mean, it like listen, if I through I used to like going into the office every day. Um, I liked the, you know, interaction with coworkers, but he, these people made an actual a a really kind of a good point about how the Apple open floor plan that they have trying to be like forward looking and change the way space is used and blah, 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 like all this nonsense literally made it so they had no privacy and could never focus on anything.
1: To me, well, I worked in an open office, open concept office at the blaze. They had a bullpen where all the. All the um, journalists worked together and there were offices you could reserve if you need to do quiet work. And that worked out fine. But we also were told pre-pandemic, if you don't need to be in the office, you don't have to be in the office. So uh, I I appreciate the camaraderie that developed. I also found you could quickly share sources and jump on a story together. So I get both sides of this. But I don't get calling it racist and misogynist and all that.
2: Yeah. And then they, of course, they tack on the environmental stuff. And then the environmental stuff pokes its ugly head out in the Moderna investor report, too, which is something that we're working on for Uncover DC that we'll probably talk about Wednesday. They say that, you know, green uh, climate change could cause their
1: (laughs) (laughs) what? what? They're just insane.
2: I swear I can't. I can't even say it out loud. But I would also argue that people who are working from home who aren't focused and not used to being like, for example, a lot of the students that had to do virtual learning, they were horrible at it. They needed the in-person collaboration, the in-person instruction, the in-person, you know, discipline of it all. And then others excelled at it. I think that a lot of people, if they're home alone in their homes trying to work, are not doing very much working and are doing a lot of other things.
1: Yeah, Jeffrey Tubin. for example. Yep. <laughs> but I, I will tell you this. I have been for decades a guy who goes to a radio station and does radio for decades or goes to the office of the blaze and, and does my work writing stories. But when all of this cra- came crashing down, I ended up working from home but I couldn't work from my home. I had to work from a tiny rental property we had that is no longer rented because I found I couldn't get up in the morning and come downstairs and have a cup of tea and go to work. I was too distracted. Yep. You make your home into a comfortable place and that comfortable place is not conducive to work. So I had to create a work environment somewhere else. So I, I, I get it and maybe I'm a dinosaur, but I work more much more efficiently when I'm not surrounded by all the stupid crap that makes me comfortable
2: being home and working from home for me is definitely more challenging than being able to leave and go somewhere else where I can focus on what I have to do, because everybody takes advantage of me when I'm here, no matter what I'm doing. Yeah. And they don't think you're working. Nope. They never do, even though I work 24 hours a day.
1: Yeah. It's so amazing. You're like, oh, you're not working. You're just. You you're working on the radio. You're over there doing that pod. That's our work.
2: I'm I'm <laughs> sitting outside in my new um little area that I have now for cuz I like to work outside especially in the warm months. And so I, I have my little tablet out there and I do my research and I'm sitting out there in my what is a very comfortable space and people come into my house and they're just like, "Oh, hey, Tracy's hanging out outside doing." I'm like, "Hello. I, I'm reading like thousands of pages of documents. Can you not like sit here like I'm just on summer vacation?"
1: Well, and the people can't resist. And I admit to being one of these people going, hey, uh, I saw this earlier. Yep. (laughs) And, you know, people look up like my wife will look up at me and go, "Uh, I'm in the middle of a memo.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I need a red flag that needs to be raised when I'm supposed to just sit quietly and think Uh, with my own thoughts.
2: I don't want to lock myself in my office all day long. It's like, you know, I could do that. I do that a lot of the time, but. I would like to be able to be if I'm going to be here and I have to make a delineation like I will never, very rarely will I work from my bedroom.
1: No, I don't even have a TV in the bedroom. We've never had a TV in the bedroom.
2: It it ruined. There's no solace anywhere then. Like I work it. I can't say that before I go to bed every night. I'm reading work stuff, but it's not the same as actually being physically like, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I try to step away from work so you can go to sleep. Otherwise, that stuff haunts me. I, when, when I'm dreaming. I know.
2: And I started telling people like between five and eight, don't call me for anything at night. Like that's my family time. I, I don't want to be bothered with like random things. Like I was getting phone calls all times of the day or night. I've also delineated or attempted to anyway one day on the weekend where I'm not bothered with work.
1: And that's usually when I'm calling you to join me on the radio, right? <laughs>
2: yes.
1: Usually. Typically. <laughs> <laughs> I want to put a reservation in this week for Thursday morning in Fort Myers Naples. Maybe you'll join me. I can do that. Okay, good.
2: Yeah. Well, I guess that's it for today, Mike.
1: Oh, I have one thought to leave leave you oh, with. Oh, please do. Uh, yes. It's from uh uh I somebody I think you know, Ilya Shapiro.
2: The name sounds very familiar. Uh
1: I think you would um you would appreciate some of the musings of Ilya Shapiro. Well,
2: only if it's not on a WordPress blog though.
1: Uh, the executive director and senior lecturer of uh, Georgetown Law School, author of Supreme Disorder, and uh, it's an author, but he does write, yeah, this was Saturday, he wrote this, my mortgage identifies as a student loan. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had said that.
2: Oh, that is so grand.
1: <laughs> Just thought I'd share.
2: Well, you, thank you for that. That was a good way to end. You have been listening to the Monday, May 2nd edition of the Dark to Light podcast with
1: the very worried Michael Pelka.
2: Why? why are you worried?
1: I'm worried it pissed you off. And now all the trolls are going to come <laughs>
0: after me. You
2: didn't piss me off at all. I'm fine. I love you. And beans, you can hear us every Monday, Wednesday and Friday at 2.30 Eastern time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify and RadioInfluence.com. Until Wednesday.
0: Joe? To ensure that we America, we have a promise.
1: That's a promise from Joe. <laughs> On this week's episode of Crush Performance, when we talk organizational and team performance, we use words like chemistry and culture. But who is steering the ship? Who
3: is empowering the team, the organization, and the people within it to get the job done?
1: At the end of the day, the responsibility of team and organizational success falls squarely on team leadership. But what exactly does that leadership look like? This week on Crush Performance, we step into the executive suites of elite sport performance as we talk with former Major League Baseball GM and three-time MLB Executive of the Year, Dan DeKat. We're talking leadership and organizational and team performance on this week's episode of Crush Performance.
0: Crush Performance with Jeff Cruschel can be found
1: on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.